Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Who um, is a very gifted person, um, and that is uh, Frederick Marx, who made the the film Hoop Dreams. You know the film Hoop Dreams? That's his film. LeBron James' favorite movie, right? I read that in Newsweek. And uh, he, read, he, he put together a film uh, that's going to be showing on Monday night at the Pacific Film Archives uh, about uh, two uh, Tibetan... Um, uh, well, I'll let you... Why don't you say just a little bit about it? Um, come on up here. Frederick. Uh, I just recently finished a film. It has yet to have its official world premiere yet, uh, which will hopefully happen in January or February. But we're still holding a number of small fundraiser screenings uh, to pay the debt, really. Um, The film is called Journey from Zanskar, and it's a story about two monks, Tibetan monks from Zanskar. Uh, You might know of Ladakh. Uh, It's very nearby in extreme northwest India. And it's a story about how they promised the Dalai Lama that they would do whatever they could to try to preserve their dying Tibetan culture in Zanskar. Um, It's a very remote region in the high Himalayan mountains. Uh, 12,000 feet is the valley floor. And um, so long story short, what they did was they they, uh, chose 17 poor children from families in surrounding villages, and they walked over the mountains uh, to get them into Tibetan schools and monasteries in lower India. So we went with them and filmed it. So the story is kind of an adventure. It's kind of a road tale. Uh, but it's, it's a very emotional story. It's a very inspirational story. It's also about the Bodhisattva vow uh, so at any rate, we're having this screening at the PFA uh, on Monday night. It begins at 7 p.m. We're, we're asking for a $25 donation, but come and give as little or as much as you like. And uh, that's about it. Thank mm-hmm. you. This Correct. This Monday. Yeah. Yeah. At, it's the Pacific Film Archive. I, I don't have the address. It's on Bancroft. And uh, if you just... Uh, it just Google Pacific Film Archive. You get it. Seven o'clock on Monday. Seven o'clock on Monday. And if you can't make this Monday, we're doing many screenings. We're having one uh, the following Saturday on the 19th in San Leandro at a theater called the Bal Theater. The, if you want to, the simplest way to just get up to speed on the film and, and follow events like this is uh, you could simply Google my name. It's probably the easiest. Frederick Marx, M-A-R-X. And then you'll get my website very quickly, and then you'll go from there. Mm-hmm. Thanks. And I, um, my dear friend, Adi Bimac, uh, saw this uh, movie and said, it's really so moving. So um, really great to have somebody like that in our midst. So may it be successful. Richard Gere narrated it. You know you're in the big leagues when you got there. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. 
So thanks for your patience. Okay, thank you. So here we are, coming to the end of the year. You can feel it, at least I can feel it. Is it, is it, it's a, it's a kind of, um, it's probably the, the best part of winter when it starts, if it's getting cold, at least you're, getting towards uh, a warm spot in the heart where you see things in the, the windows and lights up and no matter what your relationship to the holiday season, um, I hope you can access the place that the collective consciousness wants to um, Remember the goodness in humanity and um, the love that we all long for. This is a time, as everyone knows, peace on earth, goodwill to all. Last month, um, when, um, month or month and a half ago, when it was um, Yom Kippur, and I and I gave a talk on uh, atonement, on cleaning your slate, and uh, talking about forgiveness, and so uh, this is a kind of part two in that because it's been coming up a lot uh, in the last week or two. This. Um, theme of reconciliation, Um, and I want to talk a bit about it, especially here as we enter into the end of the year. It's a time to really come to closure, completion, and uh, any kind of healing that's possible as we move from the end of the year into starting a new year. Uh, This is a time to um, hopefully come to some kind of healing and start the year fresh. Uh, This week, I was at Spirit Rock for three days of meetings. Uh, Two two days, Monday and Tuesday, uh, teacher meetings and Wednesday, uh, board meeting. And uh, one of the themes that was held by all was um, the acknowledgement that this, there's been some um, challenging times uh, in our uh, community uh, this year, both as everybody goes through financial pressures and economic uncertainty, that uh, at times there were decisions that were made that affected people and uh, uh, hard decisions, that, and there were some... Um, some some real uh, challenging moments and some people were really um, um, hurt and there was some suffering there. 
And so part of the coming together for this um, this week was to have a healing. And I w- uh, wanted to talk both about healing and reconciliation within community, particularly f- uh, sharing some classical um, strategies and approaches from uh, from the teachings, and uh, share a little bit about our ritual and ceremony. We had a very powerful ceremony, and also talking about healing on a personal level, if there are things that are left unfinished and reconciliation would be uh, called for or supported. So, first, it really helps to have a community where everybody is having a common commitment to wake up. Because then, whatever you go through is... um, is held in that space of what can we learn from this? Makes all the difference in the world. I want to read a little bit about the Buddha's advice on sustaining community and on conflict and concord. He says, as long as the followers of the way hold regular and frequent assemblies, they may be expected to prosper and not decline. As long as they meet in harmony, break up in harmony, and carry on their business in harmony, they may be expected to prosper and not decline. But harmony, part of being in community is that there are times when uh, we have to deal with the fact that there's not harmony. So this is his advice on dealing with conflict and moving towards concord. Sariputra asked the Buddha, how am I to behave, O Lord, towards those in conflict. Do not reprove them, Sariputta, said the Buddha, for harsh words do not serve as a remedy and are pleasant to no one. Assign them to separate dwelling places and treat them with impartial justice. Listen with patience to both parties. Only the person who weighs both sides is called a sage. When both parties have presented their case, Let the community come to agreement and declare the reestablishment of concord. Now, there are two ways of reestablishing concord. One is in the letter, and the other is in the spirit and in the letter. If the community declares the reestablishment of concord without having inquired into the matter, the peace is concluded in the letter only. That is, if people come together and they're having a hard time, and we just say, okay, let's drop it, let bygones be bygones, and this is what you're supposed to do and feel. Now let's get on with it. That's just in the letter. But if the community, having inquired into the matter and having gone to the bottom of it, decides to declare the reestablishment of concord, the peace is concluded in the spirit and also in the letter. The concord reestablished in the spirit and in the letter is alone right and lawful. So what he's saying is, it's not enough to just say, okay, everybody behave now. You really, if you want some healing and reconciliation, you have to touch that place where you're understood 
or where the heart opens and welcome the other view, the person or the people who hold the other view, welcome them really back into your heart. Now the Buddha had to deal with conflict a lot in his uh, in his dispensation. You know, the, in the uh, in the monastic code, there are 227 rules as a as a monk. For the first 20 years of the monastic order, there were no rules. Why weren't there rules? Well, it's said that those first 20 years, it's like the cream of the crop came and became the disciples, and they just knew how to behave. (laughs) Then as things grew, oh, I'd like to join this order too. And there were, perhaps, as sometimes happens here, people who were really looking for answers but uh, were... um, were very wounded or doing things in an unconscious way. And every time somebody did something that was off and somebody else complained, hey, look at what this guy is doing over here, the Buddha said, oh, we have to make a rule. Up to 227 rules over the last 25 years, all because of unskillful actions or that somebody got their feathers ruffled or said, this isn't cool. And then there's the, uh, the famous quarrel at Kosambi where things were, got so bad, I've mentioned this here before, things got so bad between these two factions that, and the Buddha kept on trying to settle the, uh, the issue, and then he, they finally said, look, just basically butt out. We've got to figure this out for ourselves. And the Buddha not only butted out, he split. He said, I'm out of here, basically. If you look up quarrel at Kosambi, K-O-S-A-M-B-I, it's a very fascinating story. And he goes into the, the forest and he says, oh, it's so much more pleasant without being in the middle of all that hassle and community and it took him a while to get back. And finally, when he got back, you know, they said, oh, gosh, we've missed you. And, uh, and then he, when they started losing the support of the alms, uh, losing alms support from the locals because they were bickering so much, they said, oh, we, we, we better figure out how to behave here. And the Buddha said, okay, uh, let's put each in their separate quarters and we'll deal with this. And finally... When one side said, you know, I see my part in this. And then the other part, other side said, you know, I had a part in this too. And they both copped to their particular piece in it. He said, okay, if you can see where you're, you have some responsibility and you really own up to it, you're forgiven. He was big on forgiveness too. There were then different practices of reconciliation that were uh, established for the order. And the seven practices are 
outlined in Thich Nhat Hanh's book, Being Peace. I'll just share with you the, the, uh, the headlines of the practices. The first practice is face-to-face sitting. Instead of talking about somebody else in the bushes, you say, okay, let's be in the same room. See, what's going on here? Second practice, remembrance, where both monks or both sides try to remember the whole history of the conflict and every, de- every detail having to do with it. So they, they either agree on the facts of what happened or disagree and kind of sort out, well, what did really happen? Okay. The third is the principle of non-stubbornness. Hmm. Easier said than done. But it really means giving up your position of being right. As we all know, of course we're right. Of course, if only they'd see the truth, everything would be okay. The unfortunate thing is that's the same for the other side, too. And so to give up your position and realize it's just a position and be willing to open to another position. The fourth practice Thich Nhat Hanh calls covering mud with straw, which entails other monastics in this situation remembering all the good qualities of both parties. And so it's bringing loving kindness to the muck. Well, wait a second. We're not all bad here. They're not all bad over there. Let's just remember who we are underneath this conflict. The fifth practice is voluntary confessions, where each party reveals, confesses their own shortcomings in this. And that creates a feeling of opening the heart. You know how, we, as soon as somebody says, you know, I guess I really blew it. When you are on the receiving end of that, it's like there's this release. The heart wants to open and let the other person in. Voluntary confession. And then the sixth and seventh practices in the community in the classical uh, method of settling disputes, is decision by consensus and then accepting the verdict where it's the whole assembly comes to some kind of a, an agreement. Mm-hmm. Well, this, um, this week when Spirit Rock, uh, when we got together on this Tuesday morning, it's really beautiful. This is why I... I moved to share this talk because it was so conscious. It was so beautiful. Uh, there were about 50 people, uh, board, uh, teachers, staff, retreat staff, those who work in the administration, those who live on the land, the stipend staff. And we all sat in this big circle. And it's not to say this is the only thing that was going on at Spirit Rock. 
there's a lot of fantastic, beautiful things happening, but there was this really difficult situation that that kept on coming up. And, and so this day, everybody sat in a circle, and first, uh, those who wanted to, as the mic was passed, um, talked about how they got through difficult times. How they deal with the hard stuff, how they, um, the lessons that they've learned through the hard stuff, whether it was about this particular uh, situation or the lessons in their life. And we just heard the collective wisdom. How do you make it through when it's really hard? And that was very opening to see the wisdom. It didn't matter if it was a, a stipend staff or a retreat staff or a teacher. or There was wisdom all around. Then we got into um, groups of four and talked about all the things that we're grateful for as being part of Spirit Rock. And that just... You know, gratitude opens the heart. As I've said many times, when you're giving thanks, you're opening up, and as Sokni Rinpoche says, you have your satellite dish open to all the blessings around and opening to, uh, to others. It was very moving as the groups of four just each, each shared what they're grateful for about being part of the community. And then we broke into dyads and talked about the regrets that we had, how we might have acted differently. And then we um, got back into a group and everybody was given two pieces of paper. One piece of paper, um, we wrote down our hurts, the things that, uh, that were hard for us as we went through things together and also any unresolved communications, stuff that we're still holding on to. And as we wrote that down on that piece of paper, then we would chant, the whole group chanted, and each person folded their paper and put it into uh, the big bell, um, the, uh, the bell of the, the community meditation hall. And then... Uh, one person from each of the constituencies, the board member, a teacher, uh, staff member, admin, and retreat staff, and stipend staff, five different representatives, went and carried the bell as everybody chanted with all of the regrets and carried it outside. And there was a fire there as we all chanted and um, burned and let go of and acknowledged a kind of um, uh, wanting to come to some closure of our shared pain. And then on the next, the other piece of paper, we uh, wrote down our positive intention, how we could move forward. Got a little cramp here. How we could move forward from this. And then we went one by one and shared our positive intention. It was amazing. Tears, open-heartedness, just real, a real feeling of love that um, we were all 
quite moved by and talking about for for a while. And it it just reminded me, as it often does, of um, the possibility right below the the pain and the separation of coming back into connection. Because we want that. We yearn for that. And when it's not there, we feel the, the dissonance and the and the pain that comes from that feeling of disconnection. As I talk about this, I love uh, this poem by Dana Falls called Sangha. And then I want to look at our own personal uh, reconciliations. Sangha, teach me what I cannot learn alone. Let us share what we know and what we cannot fathom. Speak to me of mysteries and let us never lie to one another. May our fierce and tender longing fuel the fire in our souls. When we stand side by side, let us dare to focus our desire on the truth. May we be reminders, each for the other, that the path of transformation passes through the flames. To take one step is courageous. To stay on the path day after day, choosing the unknown and facing yet another fear, that is nothing short of grace. Sangha, her poem on Sangha. So besides the community need for healing, we, especially as we come to the end of the year, uh, might want to reflect on reconciliation on a personal level. Maybe there's some unresolved issues that we might have that get in the way of our fully connecting with those that we really care about. Because it is often somebody who we care about that we get stuck in our positions. I always find that quite interesting. We have this love, we have this yearning to connect, you know, we fall in love and how many marriages end in divorce with the person that we're so in love with. And it's often because we care so much that we get hurt, or we feel pain, or we get resentful, or we feel um, mm, disappointment. Mm. Here's a, I'll read you a passage from, from the book, from my book coming out on uh, connection with others about myself. This is uh, about my relationship with Jane, my wife, who we're together now almost 30 years. Uh, as I mentioned in there, Sylvia Borstein, my dear friend and colleague, when we first got married, said, uh, um, don't worry, dear, uh, it's the first 15 years that are the hardest. You know? 
that was very good advice when we made it to our 15th anniversary. I said, wow, all right, we made it. And we've got a great relationship, but this is what I say. Jane and I have been married for almost 30 years now. She's my best friend, life partner, and the most important person in my life. There's no one I enjoy laughing with, playing with, creating with, loving with, and sharing life with more than her. She tells me the same is true for her. And there's no one with whom I more often lose my patience, feel frustrated, get angry, or feel disappointed and hurt by. When you feel such an intense connection with someone, what he or she says or does really matters. From the beginning, Jane and I agreed that we're together to help each other wake up and to realize our full potential. Our wedding vows explicitly state that we'll use our relationship as a vehicle to develop our trust, respect, understanding, and love. When things get sticky or there's a messy situation, we have an agreement to use our marriage as a catalyst to deepen our love and connection. Of course, this isn't always easy to remember when we're in the thick of it, but that commitment to help each other grow is the container that helps hold those difficulties. They become like a grain of sand that irritates the oyster into producing a beautiful pearl. So, I would just invite you for a moment to uh, reflect, go inside, so you can make this relevant for you. Is there someone in your life that you care about? Could be a friend or a partner or a relative where somehow the love sometimes gets blocked where reconciliation might be called for, or some kind of a healing. Now, as you get in touch, get in touch with how much you care or you've cared for or about this person. Even if you're not feeling it now, just remember. And perhaps as you do, how painful the separation can feel, the difference between that connection and disconnection. And just think how it would be to feel at ease, and share goodwill again with this person. As you do, get in touch with the feelings that are there. You might notice anger or annoyance. See if you can get under that to the soft spot where maybe it hurt, there's hurt or there's wanting something from them.
underneath the position, that place that the heart feels vulnerable. And I find as I get in touch with that, what really helps is a compassionate understanding for myself as well as the other person for the ways that we get confused. And that having healthy boundaries, holding it in a container of integrity to keep the heart open, or at least have the intention to keep the heart open. As you do, or at least reflect on that possibility, just notice the ways that you've perhaps held back or closed off. To really be honest with your shadow in there that sometimes we're not aware of. Perhaps for a moment in your heart, just um, imagine asking forgiveness, apologizing for your part. As the Buddha said, if you can see your part, that makes all the difference. And then imagine hearing the other person's heart, the hurt that they might feel with a kind of deep listening. From your wisest place, And then for a moment, if it's available to you, if it's not, no need to force it. But if it's available, just for a moment, let them in. Forgive their confusion. Let go of all the energy that it it takes to keep the heart closed. Get in touch with the Buddha that's right inside.
And if you're not ready to forgive, then forgive yourself for being just where you're at. No need to pretend. Just to be honest. And understanding of where you're at. And see if there's perhaps any anything that would be helpful as you go through these next few weeks, if there's something unresolved that might that you might do to come to some kind of a healing and reconciliation or an opening of the heart greater in a greater way towards them and towards yourself. as we open up to peace on earth, goodwill to all. So um, just have a few minutes, if anything has come up from that that you'd like to bring up, curious about, or share. It's on. Let's see. I, I don't know how to fit this into... I get it feels like a puzzle piece, the other side of it. I want, you know, in thinking about my relationship with my wife, it's like I've gotten to the point where um, it's like rather than responding, I hold an intention all the time, which is to be, which is to have a loving relationship. And when something comes up, and it, and it starts to go wrong, and I don't always hold it. I mean, I don't always make it. But, I mean, if you can hold that intention, it's like when I go to bed at night, I have such a happy wife that it makes me happy, and it makes me want to make her happy. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't just say that I do it all the time, but when I lose it, then the, my question is not, my question is like, oh, where, where am I supposed to grow right now? You know, it's 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 like it's it's me. It's not even the other person anymore. And I don't know. You know, I don't have problems with my wife. I have problems with all the other people in the world I have to deal with. But uh, I, I don't know. It just it, it seems like there's so much joy and so much beauty out of that relationship that that it. I don't know. That's become the the place I go to rather than rather than dealing with with what's going to hurt or what's not going to work. It's like, yeah, that's there. But, you know, we've got these, all these wonderful teachings mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. you know, our karma, our, our lives that we bring to it. And, you know, I don't have to respond to her karma. And, 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 and better, 
better to be supportive and mm-hmm. you know and you go to bed happy and I just such a wonderful wife. Sounds like you got the right answer there. Pretty cool. Okay, if there's not any other question, uh, I felt like doing a, having us end with a song tonight. So, I haven't brought the guitar here in ages, but I was just kind of moved to do it. one of my basic joy course songs but it just uh, feels right shower the people you love with love just uh, and just think of all the people for a moment in your life that you love and that you have something that brings out the best in them just by letting them feel the love that you have. So um, if you don't know the words, uh, at least you know the chorus. You know, it starts out, you can play the game, you can act out the part. <clears throat> Sing along if you know it. You can play the game and you can act out the part though you know it wasn't written for you. Tell me how do you stand there with your broken heart? Shamed of playing the fool. One thing can lead to another. It doesn't take any sacrifice. Oh, father and mother, sister and brother, if it feels nice, don't think twice. Just shower the people you love with love. Show them the way that you feel. Things are going to work out fine. Things are going to work out fine. If you only will do as I say. Shower the people you love with love. Show them the way that you feel. Things will be much better. Things are going to be much better if you only will. You can run, you can run, but you cannot hide. This is widely known, what you plan to do. Now what you plan to do with your foolish pride, when you're all by yourself alone, once you tell somebody, once you tell somebody the way that you feel, you can feel it beginning to ease. Think it's true? I think it's true what they say about the squeaky wheel Always getting the grease Better to shower the people you love with love Show them the way that you feel Things are gonna work out fine If you only will Do as I say Shower the people you love with love. Show them the way that you feel. 
Things are gonna be much better if you only will. Shower the people you love with love. Show them the way that you feel. Shower the people you love with love. Show them the way that you feel. Think of all the people. Shower the people you love with love. Show them the way that you feel. Shower them. Shower the people you love with love. Show them the way that you feel. Okay, let's end with a very short loving kindness, just sharing that. Think of all the people in your life that you that you love, that make your life richer, that open your heart, keep on teaching you through thick and thin. And just send them love. May you feel my love for you. May you see your own goodness and share your love well. May you wake up to your true nature. And then extending out to everyone, may all beings find happiness and peace and share their love well. May all beings wake up to their true nature. And may our coming here together be of benefit to all beings everywhere. May all beings be happy. Okay. Enjoy your